I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete. And this is Peyton Jones. Here for episode... I actually think this is 85. I think we're past that. Mm, Maybe. Yeah. But it's in the 80s. But we're not. It's 85. Okay. (laughs) And yet, once again, we're uh, so close I can look into your deep brown eyes and be very uncomfortable. Absolutely. But we're not naked. This time, though, I have to be, like, I'm trying to face the mic and you at the same time. We're sharing a mic. It's very uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. We've got, like, that homophobic thing, and yet we, we got to be close to the mic all at the same time. You know how I always have stories that I can't wait to share when yeah. you say something like that? Yeah. I have a story, but I can't share it on the podcast. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Cool. Pete Pete has a homophobic story that he can't share on the podcast. <laughs> Hey, if you're uh, new to the podcast, welcome. I'm sure we picked a lot of you guys up this week. Um, We do screw around a bunch before we get into church plan. We're probably not going to do that as much today, but we are going to um, tell you about our webinar coming up on Tuesday. And I've been telling everybody it's Tuesday night uh, because I'm a moron, but it's actually Tuesday morning. So it's Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard. Uh, 10 o'clock uh, Central and 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time. So uh, you can check us out. It is going to be where, Pete? Tell them how to tune in. If you go to churchplanterwebinar.com, that's how you can get registered. And if you can't make it, this is going to be a webinar with, of course, obviously Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell, but we are going to have Dave Ferguson on there. And so the topic is on how to start a church planting movement or uh, how to plant a church that plants churches. So whether your church is um, just getting started, maybe you're still in the core team building phase, or you are um, an established church looking to do some revitalization, one of the best ways to do that is to get your people on mission, get them planting out. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. It is going to be a little bit longer webinar. It's going to start at 9, and it's going to go to about uh, noon. And we will have a break right there in the middle just to make it easier. But if you can't make the live webinar, you will want to check out the replay. And the way that you can get access to the replay is to actually sign up for the webinar. And those are the people that we are going to um, forward the replay information to. So again, churchplanterwebinar.com. And that is tomorrow, 9 a.m. And, you know, it used to be considered like, you know, people talk about success in church planting. If you planted a church, it didn't die, right? Like 70% of church plants fail. But really, you, you're not considered a successful church plant if you're a church that starts and ends with itself. In other words, if you're an inward focused church plant, one of the biggest dangers is for a church planner, he's focusing so much on his church plant. Maybe he has never done it before. And he's focusing so much on that that 
uh, he doesn't hardwire his DNA into that church plant to being a multiplication church plant. Obviously, the goal is to reproduce yourself, to make disciples, but your church needs to be a model of that. So that's what we're going to talk about. Even if you're a first-time church planner, how do you hardwire your church plant, your first-time church plant, to be a church plant that goes beyond itself? And that's what we're going to cover. Um, it's going to be awesome. Dave Ferguson, you know, like we said before, he's bringing the napkins. If you don't know Dave's work, then you don't know what that means. If you want to find out, tune in, and uh, we're going to have all kinds of cool stuff. We're also uh, going to unveil uh, Jump School on that, which is uh, our training course for church planners, uh, and we're looking forward to telling you about that as well. So before we get in with today's topic, we got an email here. We actually have gotten a lot of emails because we finally figured out how to download all the uh, emails that people get. Thanks for knocking into the desk. That's not going to be allowed. Boom. <laughs> in everyone's ear. Um, we finally figured out how to download from Apple everyone's email. So when you sign up for the magazine, you get a free subscription. And then Apple says, hey, would you like to share your email and your zip code with the publishers of the magazine? And I don't know, like a third of the people or maybe a half of the people say yes. And um, we've never done anything with it. So actually, if you signed up last year, uh, we actually waited too long. So <laughs> Apple won't give us your your email. So we uh, we had our, our assistant go through the beginning of the year and, and or download from the beginning of the year everyone's email and, and put it into our, our email list. And so uh, we've been getting reply back, replies back from people, and some of them are just classic. I mean, some of the best, funniest things I've ever seen. You know, um, didn't someone say something about, but I've got my clothes on or something like that? Yeah, I listen to your podcast, but I'm fully clothed when I do. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, classic lines that you can tell people are actually listening to the podcast. But we got another email here. And this is from White Tyrone, who we've talked about. White Tyrone handles advertising and sales for Church Planner Magazine and the Church Planner Podcast. And if you'd like to uh, to advertise in the magazine or on the podcast, you can always reach White Tyrone at tyrone at churchplannermag.com. But or White Tyrone at churchplannermag.com. Yeah, but you know, our forwarder emails have, have not been working that well no. lately, so... You want to be sure about it, go to Tyrone at churchpuntermag.com. So he emailed us this morning. He's over in Florida. We're in California. And uh, this is going to be a, a tag team email because I'm going to start it off. And uh, Peyton's going to he, he's going to read the, the second paragraph. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I think you, you take this whole one. I, I got something else I'm going to share. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm not going to read it word for word because um, he actually mentions he's working on three different deals. And, and I don't want to... I don't want to put pressure on them by saying their name. So, <laughs> and, and I don't want to give them free advertising on the podcast. They haven't advertised with us yet. That's true. That's it. They're not paying for this. So, not yet. So he writes, guys, please pray for any names to come in this month. Oh, and this one too. But this guy over here, he's deciding next week. And this one over here is in the process of making change. I don't know what that means. Um, they have to decide to call back. And then he writes this. This is a classic White Tyrone line. He goes, now, let's be realistic about this. Pete, I'm sure you'll be you'll pray, albeit quietly and not in front of others. Peyton, I expect that you'll pray very hard about these deals and throw in the caveat, if it's your will. It'll, you'll put that the prayer mantra of all great Calvary Chapel guys who have faith but give God a way out if it doesn't work. I, on the other hand, 
and I'm Pentecostal, so I'll probably pray in tongues to edify my inner man, start to dance after I turn on my favorite praise music, dress up in my Creflo dollar suit, and start strutting around as I call the deals in. Come on, Lord, show me a hundred dollar! Okay, truth be told, I don't have a decent Creflo, or Creflo dollar suit, but I'm starting to shake as I pray in tongues. Brain, let's do some business. I thought that was the funniest email ever. You know, and it just goes to show you, you always need a Pentecostal salesman. <laughs> I love you're it, You're going to do it right, man. Pete, I'm sure you'll pray. I'll be it quietly and not in front of others. Absolutely. Now, he, White Tyrone definitely listens to the podcast. I we, told him today I was going to let him peer review my next book so he could tell me before I publish it how much it sucks and allow me time to change it. I like it. I yeah. I like it. So uh, th- this week, I ended up uh, talking to um, Ed Stetzer on Facebook. He opened up uh, Q&A, and he said, I'm going to try this out. And so people were writing in stuff like, uh, oh, you know, Ed, I'm in a rural community, and I've got, you know, this situation with church planning. And so I thought, well, I'll ask Ed a question. And uh, so I, I asked him, who would win in a fight? You with a piano wire, Francis Chan with a knife, Mark Driscoll with a spoon, or Rick Warren with ninja stars? And the answer? He actually answered me. His answer was Ninja Stars, greater range. I wrote him back, you have answered wisely again, my sensei. That's why you listen to Ed Stetzer, because he will answer even the hardest church planning questions. I love it. You know, there are people on there like, oh, like like today with uh, the Church Planner Magazine Facebook page. I told you I put up that picture. It was like a guy is literally just sitting on a, a fold-up chair in front of a blank wall, and it says, still more exciting than watching soccer, which is classic, right? And I also sent that to Janos, you know, who's over there in Germany. Apparently, yeah. Germany scored a bunch of goals. And so the talk on Facebook is, I think Germany is still scoring goals right now. And um, so anyway, this guy writes on there, he goes, what exactly does this have to do with church planting? You can tell he doesn't listen to the podcast. Absolutely. He would know if he listened to the church planning podcast that we actually screw around for a good 15, 20 minutes, much to the chagrin of Joey Roper, which I've now got a theory about Joey Roper. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Here's my theory. You've heard us bag on Joey Roper. You've heard us bag on like anyone. If you write us or you email us or you call into the show, chances are we're going to bag on you, right? Because we just love our listeners. So here's the deal. We, we have, uh, Joey Roper, early on, we get this thing from Joey Roper, and he's like, you know, you guys, it just happened to be, you know, like 13 minutes before you got into actual church planning content. And so me and Pete, you know, thought about that, and we're like, well, that needs to be the case from now on, right? Just to make Joey Roper mad. And and truth be told, we love Joey Roper until... But we've never actually met Joey Roper. Yeah, until... I think that's an important thing to, to note here. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we started getting wise, because Pete... Got referred by, I'm air quoting now, Joey Roper. Uh, he got, he got referred to Janish, who wanted to make some money, who responded to Pete's appeal that, hey, church planner, want to make some money? Get in touch with me. It was kind of your Tom Vu style appeal, you know, want to make a lot of money. Um, <laughs> do you want big toys? But, uh, anyways, Pete put this thing out and, uh, Janish, uh, who was Joey Roper's assistant, quote unquote, uh, responded and said, yeah, man, you know, I'll work for you. And I've got this theory now because occasionally Janish will say things like, oh, you know, Joey, uh, noticed that, you know, uh, you guys this week took 17 minutes. At a certain point, I went, hey, Pete, you know what? 
I think the jig's up, man. I don't think Joey Roper actually exists. I think Joey Roper is Yanish's puppet. He's like Yanish's uh, fake ID. That when Yanish has to say something, he doesn't want to be awkward. He doesn't want to make people uncomfortable. He creates this persona named Joey Roper. And so it's a fake idea. It's like, uh, what's that one? Uh, Joey Roper doesn't actually exist is what ab- you're getting Absolutely. At. He's not real. So He's the a- Facebook page has all been faked by Janos. Absolutely. Joey Roper doesn't. We're on to you, Janos. Joey Roper doesn't even exist. He's just your puppet for when you need to say difficult, awkward things. And that's and we- why Janos is always saying, hey, what about us assistants? We're the ones actually doing all the work. Really what it is is he's the one doing all the work because Joey doesn't exist. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and, and when you're hearing, you know, the, uh, when you're hearing the, the, the messages from, uh, Joey Roper, air quotes again, uh, you're actually hearing Yanish. He's just speeding it up like 1.5 speed. You know, he's speaking through a filter and, uh, and that's it, man. So we're, we're on to you. So next time we hear, Hey, Joey noticed about the podcast. I'm just going to, it's not going to work with us anymore, Yanish. We, we know the deal. So, okay. Our topic today is a topic which is, uh, I don't know, it's kind of, you know, we have good topics and we have sucky topics. Now, this is a good topic, but it's a good sucky topic. So it's not like a sucky topic like, how do I start a 501c3 nonprofit corporation? That's a sucky, sucky topic. This is a good sucky topic because it's a good topic. It's something you want to hear, but it's about something sucky. I don't even remember what you said the topic was going to be. I knew you didn't. Here, here's the deal. Um, we're going to talk today about what to do when people leave your church plan. Oh, yeah. Good so, call. okay. So here's the deal. People are going to leave your church plan. You need to know that. Um, oftentimes, you know, I tell people that the hardest part about a church plant is the second year. Now, this is what happens in the second year. The reason it's the, the hardest thing about it is when you start a church plant, right? You throw out all this vision. You're vision casting. People are coming on board and they're getting all excited and you're painting this picture. You've got the faith to see what no one else can see. You've got the Hebrews 11, faith is confidence in things, uh, hope for things not seen. So you are casting all this vision. You're spinning these yarns. You're telling them what's going to happen. And the picture that they build up in their mind is that like in a month's time, you're going to be filling stadiums. And you try to tell them, you try to warn them, you know, hey, no, no, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's like, you know, the slow burn. It's not, you know, overnight. You've heard the church planning stories through the, you know, guys that sell millions of copies, but that is the exception. And so in the second year, what happens is people go, yeah, yeah, we're going to leave. Um, the church down the, down the road has programs. So we were listening to Hugh Halter today. We were at the, uh, Bible conference with, uh, Plant LB, uh, Stadia, um, LA Church Planning Mission. Again, like Janusz, they're kind of all the same thing. Um, they're like the Joey Roper of the, uh, Stadia organization, the, 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 the fake puppet. But, uh, the deal is, is that they were, um, talking, they had a Hugh Halter and Hugh told the greatest story about people leaving. He said, yeah, so, you know, there was this couple and they left and they came up to me and they said, Hey, uh, just want to let you know we're leaving. And, um, yeah, uh, well, here's what happened. Um, Sunday morning, 
we uh, something happened, like they couldn't get to church. I don't remember what it was. And he goes, and we were walking around. We just went for a walk with the family, and we rounded a corner. We we're walking down the main street. We round a corner, and we saw a church, and we decided just to pop in, and they had a ball pit, and our kids really like it, and uh, and uh, we think we're going to go back there. So moral of the story is get a ball pit for your church? Yeah. Get a ball pit and people won't leave. They'll never, ever leave. And that church downtown knew this. That is the church planning strategy that we're trying to teach you on the church planning podcast. Now, if you didn't just switch us off, here's the deal. Um, the funny thing is that, you know, he was just pausing and everyone's laughing, you know, and, and then he says, you know, yeah, like the, the, our community at Doolum, you know, we, we actually kind of like, we saved their marriage. Um, you know, we got their family back on track, all this stuff. <laughs> and he goes, and the guy's looking at me, he's going, I know. I, I know. I know what you're going to say. I, I, I know. It's a ball pit. We're leaving the church for a ball pit. <laughs> and he just goes, cool. You know, whatever. And I think as church planners, you were going to have people. That's actually a good way to lose somebody. You know, they or want a ball, ball pit. pit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Th- that's a great way. And I'll tell you why. Because the alternative is normally people go, you suck. You know, mm. um, I hate you. Here's 15 things that I've written down every week since I've been here that's wrong with this church and wrong with you. Those ones suck more. So losing a guy over a ball pit and the guy said, hey, man, I love you. And, you know, I know it seems weird. And, you know, he was respectful of it. But uh, there are all kinds of reasons why people leave churches. And so uh, we're going to talk about, you know, some what to do, who to chase, when to chase, when not to chase, when to let people go, how to handle it, what your attitude should be. Um, what you can do, because sometimes when someone leaves, you worry about, you know, are we going to have an arterial leak? Is there going to be hemorrhage out the back back door now? Um, all those things are important. That's interesting. You know, I, I can see a lot of people saying, <clears throat> you're doing church wrong. You know, you're not spiritual enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. Because people get so hung up on that stuff. And I can see them using that as the excuse as to why they're leaving. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And, and so here's the thing, like in a church plant, there's so many reasons to leave a church plant, right? Like, uh, your, your Sunday school is never really good. Right. I mean, or the other thing is like, look at our church. Um, the pastor's <laughs> wearing a t-shirt and shorts up on stage that could offend a lot of people. Yeah, I guess not our community. It wouldn't offend, but that's the thing is those are the people, believe it or not, there are people you want to lose. I know that just sounds absolutely like the opposite of what most church planners think because they're going, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Like, we're really small. Don't tell me. I, I Like, I can't afford to lose people. Man, we only got 20 people. Let me tell you something. Jesus turned the world upside down with 12 guys. He didn't go, oh, man, how can I get as many? He did quality over quantity. That was always Jesus's thing. He takes 12 guys, he disciples those 12 guys, he splices his missional DNA into these 12 guys, and I, I, I would rather have 12 people that are absolutely on tack with where I'm going than have 50 people that have no clue. Make sense? It does, it does. And you know, I think probably the toughest thing for most church planners is uh and we've talked about this on the show before like losing people who are in your core team losing people who are you know the foundational members of your church if you will and i think one of the things that i'm just so used to is 
in business, like being in straight commission only jobs and running straight commission companies, you know, with insurance and financial planning. Um, it's like we expect people not to stick around because it's straight commission. And yeah. That's that's a tough deal, right? So it's like it I, it's reached the point for me that it does not surprise me when someone quits. It's like, and usually they just fade away, right? They don't yeah. like, hey, this is too hard for me. It's usually like they stop coming to the meeting, the sales meeting, and you know, no work's been turned in in a month, and you know, pretty soon. You know, we're getting notified by the state that their license has been canceled or something. Yeah. And um, but I could see that being like one of the tougher things for most church planners. Like, I'm just thinking you've probably like the church planner has to go through it like in stages. First, it's the core team. Right. And then it's OK. Well, you know, we've made it through. We've refined the core team, um, you know, and, and now the core of our church. And then you start to see those guys go. And that's probably got to be it just starts to get old after a while, I would think. I'm used to it, but I could see a pastor getting tired of it. Yeah, you know what? I, I I'm always shocked when people stay. I got to be honest. I don't worry when people leave. And when when you want to talk about like who to chase, I I will be honest with you. I never chase people ever. The only people that I chase is when it's so out of character that I'm concerned. You know, has something gone wrong? Mm. Have we failed you in some way? If I have failed somebody, and, and even if they don't come back, if, if I owe them an apology, let's say somebody, you know, their, their child's in the hospital or something horrific happens and we've let them down. We have not shown them we care for them. You know, as leaders, we haven't gone and prayed over them or visited them and we don't see them again. I've got to own that. And I chase those guys because when they leave, I have to tell them, hey, I failed you and I get why you're leaving. In fact, I would say it's very, very rare that I tell people, um, I don't understand. Why are you leaving? Um, if somebody's being really nasty, I get why they're leaving. And I, I usually assume that's your problem, you know, and you're going to do that wherever you go. And that's cool. Right. Um, if somebody's got a valid complaint and grump against me, um, I usually own it, even if they're on their way out. I go, oh yeah, yeah, no man, I suck. I told you I sucked as a pastor, you know, because I'm I'm more apostolic. I don't gotta try to pretend to be super pastor. I have people there that will shepherd them, and as I've said before, we have our cogs, which are like, uh, you know, our, our little missional communities that meet around, you know, different parts of the city, and all of our pastoral problems are worked out in the cogs, right? So I noticed years ago that. People that normally felt the need to call me as a pastor and say, oh, pastor, I got, you know, I need to talk to you. Um, if they were in a cog, they didn't call. It was, I, I started only literally, once I started up all these communities, I realized that people only called me when they weren't in a cog with a pastoral crisis. Otherwise, it got worked out. They got pastoral care in the cog. And so that, in many ways, does most of the pastoring for me. And so when people are like all upset, like, I don't feel anyone cares for me, my first question is, are you in a, are you in a, in a cog, a community of grace? Well, no, I'm not. Well, before you go, why don't you plug into that? Because I, I will guarantee you, your perspective will change once you get into one of those. So, for example, the, uh, the, the, the story of the man that works at the gas station on the edge of town, the guy pulls in and he says, hey, what are the people like around here? And the guy behind the counter says, well, I suppose they're, you know, well, well, tell me about the people where you came from. 
And he goes, oh, man, they were they were horrible people. You know, they, they, they didn't love you. They didn't talk to you. They made you feel like nothing and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he said, why? Uh, unfortunately, I expect you'll find him the same here. Next customer rolls in. He says, hey, I'm new in town. What are the people like in this town? And he says, well, what were they like where he came from? And he said, oh, man, they were the best. Some of my best friends in the world. In fact, it's been really hard uh, to leave them, but they were the most giving, kindest, welcoming people on the planet. And that guy says, why? Well, suppose you'll probably find him the same here as he did where he came from. And I, I think that's so true, you know? I feel like adding on Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. <laughs> yeah, the best Deep Thought with Jack Handy ever, if you never saw SNL, Saturday Night Live, back in the day, it was uh, this little segment used to come on Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. And uh, one of them, my favorite one was, my nephew just spoiled Brad. One day I told him, I'm going to take you to Disneyland. That morning I showed up at his house. I took him to an old burned down warehouse. Oh, look, I said, Disneyland burned down. He <laughs> cried and cried. Deep thoughts with Jack Handy. That's the best one ever. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, let me ask you this. What does, um, how did they get started in church with the whole, like, Wednesday night service and, you know, that, that kind of, like, as opposed to the missional communities that were seen in, like, like Rick Warren's church. I mean, he talked about their you know, small groups. And he's like, you know, it's like, I've got 7,000 house churches. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but the whole, you know, I, I don't know, is this what the missional movement is, is that type of thing? I mean, cause I didn't like the church that I grew up in, we did not have those. Like we had a Wednesday night service. Well, you know, like this is the problem with going to a midweek. And if you, if you have a midweek study, I'm going to challenge you on this because what you've done is you've duplicated your Sunday morning, and there's really no functionality that you're getting out of a midweek study except to showcase your preaching gift again, right? And you do that on Sunday. So the question becomes, uh, and, and really, I think the midweek meeting originally started up to be a prayer meeting, but Christians suck at praying in groups. And I don't know about you, but unless the Spirit's really in Pete, I'm sure you'll pray. I'll be at quiet and not in front of anyone. <laughs> but but here's the thing. Christians, if the Spirit of God is not in that prayer meeting um, and people are just there because they feel they should be, those are the worst prayer meetings on the planet. And I think eventually people were like, eh, you know, that this isn't very fun. And then you got the guy that goes on for 10 minutes, right? And, and kind of kills, by the way, long prayers kill prayer meetings. So if you are going to have a prayer meeting, tell your people, please keep your prayers to 30 seconds or a minute. Um, like Spurgeon said once, he said, you know, the guy that went on, he was praying. And in the, in the first five minutes, I prayed with him. The second five minutes, I prayed uh, for him. <laughs> and in the third five minutes, I prayed against I him. Prayed against him. <laughs> and so, you know, but I think eventually uh, the functionality that you could get out of it um, they just thought, yeah, this isn't very fun. And, uh, but I, I'm telling you, I've been in prayer meetings and gone five hours and I thought it was 45 minutes because the spirit, my leadership team, we used to pray, man. And we would just, the spirit would come and it was awesome. And I think if you're in a situation where the spirit's really moving, um, those are great times. Uh, but I think midweek studies just at some point, somebody just went, yeah, you know what? I can teach better. And use this time, and I can teach you another book of the Bible. But the reality is that uh, what you got to think about is the functionality. We take communion in our cogs, 
We have awesome discussion archives. We um, let people talk about their problems. Um, we do have teaching, but we try to keep it short. We hammer out sometimes controversial things in our cogs that maybe we couldn't hammer out on a Sunday morning. So everything is very flexible. We we alternate. We might go for a sh- through a short epistle uh, for a number of weeks. We might go through a video series a number of weeks. We're taking communion. We're praying and laying hands on one another. We're doing things that don't exactly fit into the context. But I'm telling you, that's where the pastoral stuff happens. That's where the kaboom happens. You know what I mean? I do. I get it. And, and Sunday for us is outreach. So going back to, to people leaving, I always ask them, do you belong to a cog? And it, it, usually they don't, you know, and those are the people that we tend to lose. So, um, but, you know. Um, How I, often would you say you lose people who lead the cog? Mm. Like, does burnout happen? Does that, do they reach a point where they're like, I, I gotta be. Done. I can honestly say I've never lost a person's cog. Really? Yeah, I've lost one couple in this last church plant who uh, hosted a cog, but which meant it was just in their house. Right. Okay. Yeah, but um, people who lead the cog, no, no. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So get everyone to lead a cog. Get everyone to lead a cog, and and if you guys haven't listened to the episode that we did on Rick Warren. And what we learned from our our dinner our dinner date with Rick Warren, you got to go back and listen to that one because that's one of the secrets to growing a church, reaching Absolutely. the lost is through the use of the small groups. And he talked about how they did that and how other churches have done that and the impact that it had. So, I I think the number one thing when people are leaving your church is. To have a good attitude. This is, I think that your attitude as a leader, um, this is such a deep rabbit hole. Um, it's normally the leader that's the problem when people are leaving. I don't see it as a problem. If people leave, if they, let's say they come to me and like they say, you know, the ball pit, man, I don't look at them and judge them because look, I know me. And I know if I'm leading a church, I probably wouldn't go to the church I lead. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think so highly of myself that, why isn't everybody coming to my, I know me, my wife knows me. You know, I, I always think, God, why do you use me? You know, like that's crazy. So when people say they're going to leave, I'm always like, well, there's one less sucker in my church. You know what I'm saying? Like literally, I just, I'm always appalled that, that God leaves me. I'm always shocked that people stay. Our church plant's a little crazy. To reach a loss, you got to get a little bit radical. I know it's not for everybody. So I don't assume that people, come to my church and go, this is awesome. So like we got Steve in the room here, right? We've talked to you about Steve, the barbecuer. And so Steve's in here. Um, he, you know, he's, he's listening. He's, he's the silent witness in the back, right? Um, say, Hey, Steve. Hey, <laughs> I don't even know if the mic picked it up. Yeah. So, uh, I'll pretend Hey, that's what Steve sounds like. So here's the deal. Um, so, Steve was saying to me this morning, he's like, man, he was just talking about everything God's teaching. He's reading a Dallas Willard book. And then we took him to the Bible conference today and um, perfectly tied in. He's like, man, this is totally the spirit. Um, but but the deal is, is that on on the way he was saying, yeah, you know, I, I just why I'm just I'm telling everyone all the time how awesome our church is. Now, I'm I'm being honest with you. Like I stand back and go, that's the spirit, man. Because I, I'm not building this church. It's not like, yeah, the church of Peyton built. It's literally 
you know, I'm, I'm hardly even there now. So if the church is awesome, maybe it's awesome because I left. You know, I left my own church. <laughs> In fact, I'm planning to leave my church from the day I first planted. So the, the reality is I told him, I go, Steve, you're kind of like the guy whose like girlfriend is really, really ugly. And I know my wife's going to get mad at me for saying this. But like your girlfriend's really, really ugly. But you're talking about what a babe she is all the time. Because when, when the normal average Christian comes to our church from a mega church, they come, they hear about our church. The idea sounds really good. Oh, yeah, reaching the lost. Oh, yeah, street church. And then they get there and it's ugly. And they're like, yeah, I don't think I want to go to this. Well, it's ugly in a lot of ways. I mean, it's actually aesthetically ugly. <laughs> I mean, look at the preacher, right? No, no, no. But I mean, aesthetically, our church is ugly. Yeah. Like, the school is ugly. I think the fact that we meet outside is always so stinking hot. I was so glad when we met inside this last Sunday because it's so hot right now. Yeah. It's like Florida hot. That's how it, hot it, it is. It was pretty hot. It takes a lot for us to go inside, and we need to go inside. So here's the deal, right? Like I said, okay, so it's it's back to the first year, what I said in the beginning, that first year everyone's still kind of pumped, and then second year they're like, hey, we've been doing this a year already, and this is hard work, man. And reaching the loss, you know, it actually takes a sacrifice. We actually have to be in the film. We don't get to just watch the film. Like, we have to be in the film. And some people don't want to be in the movie, right? They want to read about what God used to do. They don't want to be a part of what God's doing, right? That's not my next book, by the way. Cha-ching! That's from, uh, you're not going to cut that out, are you? No, which which book? That's my, uh, it's a book that's, uh, I've just put a book uh, into I, I my I actually agent. think at this point you're just making stuff up. Oh, totally, yeah. Oh, that's in my next book. Because you're like, this is my third book. This is my fourth oh, book. Oh, yeah. Well, You've you written know. one. No, 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 I've got three. I've got three. I'm writing the third. Which is the second one is Jump School, which comes out what September ish. September Jump School the the book yeah yeah or the program because the program's coming out tomorrow churchplannerwebinar.com. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> but uh, the book should be out in September. And by the way, if you do join uh, Jump the Jump School course, you get it free, uh, amongst other things, which we'll tell you about later. But the um, the third book is God Save the Church, and and so you know basically. A lot of people don't want to be a part of what God's doing. You know, I, I get that. But you know what? Here's the thing for me. Like, like if if the whole God thing is real, then you it's like you're either going to be with it. You, you're, you want to be on board with it. Or it's like you just got to ignore that the whole thing even exists. Like, I don't want to just go and watch church because if God's real, then I need to be a part of it. Like, yeah. I, I need because... One day I'm going to be held accountable to God, right? I'm yeah. going to stand before him. What am I going to be like? Well, you know, thanks, God. It was a great show. It was fun watching, you know. Yeah. Thanks for giving me tickets. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, if you're losing the people who are just there to watch, which is what what we're taught in church, yeah. right? Like right. every church I've ever gone to, it's a show. You go, you watch, you see what happens, and you leave. Well, because we're an interactive church, like there is ministry opportunity for everybody. So we we got this guy, he's homeless, right? Um, he's been with us for a number of years. You know, he's he needed glasses, so we gave him some money, get some glasses he can see now. Um, he's got a place to live uh, right now. So, you know, and he tells us, he goes, hey, man, you know, I see him Sunday. He's walking around. He's like, yeah, I'm kind of ticked. I was supposed to meet someone here, and they haven't been for a number of weeks. They said they're going to help me. And uh, I said, well, what's going on, man? He goes, well, I... 
look, I got a place. I'm sleeping on the floor. And, you know, he got his backpack ripped off a number of weeks ago. So, like, mm. everything was taken. Like, we, you know, this is someone who literally has nothing, right? And, uh, you know, he struggles with a little, you, you can't tell, but, you know, he, he struggles with a little bit of, um, bipolar. He's, he's stable. Every time we've seen him, he's been, so we'd never seen him unstable. Um, but he's a quiet guy, real cool, you know, have a good conversation with you. And he was like, look, man, I'm sleeping on the floor and it really hurts. And three weeks ago, someone told me they're going to help me and no one's helped me. And I said, well, dude, thanks for not just taking off. You know, we care about you. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll find someone, you know, you don't ever think we don't care about you. So sure enough, you know, I, I hook him up with someone, someone who's not a leader, um, just a person, just a Christian who's invested. And I just mention it and he goes, dude, I'll go get him some furniture this week. So he finds a used sofa. He finds a, a, a desk because that's all he wanted. He's like, I just need a place to like sleep on. They go in there. The guy literally has not one thing and that not one stick of furniture, nothing. Not a pot, not a pan, not a microwave, nothing. And they go in and just take him. Now I'm going to tell you, if you're at a church where you get like, I remember he texted me. He goes, Hey, I'm on my way. I got a sofa and I got a desk. He was so excited. And my intern, I got an intern over from Wales right now who's training to be a church planner. Um, He's going with him. I'm thinking that is true ministry. That's where my intern needs to be right now is in a car delivering furniture to a guy who has no one to help him. Up two flights of stairs with the sofa. Oh, gnarly. <laughs> oh, that's just. But, but if you're involved, you know, the guy was like, thanks. You know, that was life change for that dude. He was actually saying, man, I, my back's going out because I'm sleeping. And yeah, you get me started on another topic, but. You're not going to leave if you're serving. You're doing that. And I'm not talking church chores, right? Like, hey, could you flip the switch, you know, during the service? Could you adjust the air conditioning? Could you run the overheads? Those are church chores, right? No one goes home feeling really fulfilled when they're doing church chores. But this is ministry. This is true service. Remember that the, the, the first ministers or servants that were put on in the book of Acts was, hey, people are starving. Let's take seven guys, set them aside, and let's serve the people. Let's get involved in people's lives. And boom, that's what people are craving. We have made church all about entertainment and fun, and people just aren't amused anymore. They're not thrilled by going to church and getting entertained. We've substituted the adventure of getting on mission and getting involved with people's lives with fun and entertainment. And I'm sorry, but we got entertainment crammed at us all the time. The last thing people want is more fun and entertainment. Mm. What they want is adventure. And they know it because the Holy Spirit's been deposited. He's invaded their souls. He's in them and he's busting to get out. And when I see somebody who's like, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to leave. And the reason is that they're bored. I just, I, I, that can't happen in our church. That can't be the reason because there's plenty of mission. Holy Spirit has ample opportunity at our church to be unleashed in your life. Big time. Hmm. I get it, man. I do. You want me to talk more, don't you? I don't. I don't really know what else to say <laughs> on that subject. Well, there's more. But wait, there's more. Well, I talked about your attitude as a pastor. You, you all know that you know when when you're when someone comes to you. Let's just get really practical for a second, right? When somebody comes to you and goes, Pastor, I'm leaving, right? And you know sometimes they're like the ugly people. You know the ugly people, right? 
Yeah, I I can imagine because see, if I were leaving a church, I would just leave the church. Yeah, you disappear. I would disappear. I I only call people if I'm worried about them. If I haven't seen them for a number of weeks, I might call them. And if and 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 often it's you know if they miss a week, fine. I'm not like you got to be careful with this. You have to be careful with calling people because they miss a Sunday. And I know in some cultures, like in Wales, if I called them. That would be really caring. But I tell my congregation, look, you're all big boys and big girls. If I don't see you a week, I assume you had a family engagement. I assume you had some. I'm not going to chase you up for that. Um, if I see you gone two weeks, I'll wonder. But if I see you gone three weeks, you're probably here for me. Because then you've either left or you're in trouble. But we all have phones. We all have this. You know, I mean, if, if you're, if you need something, call me. Shoot. You know, if, if someone dies in your family, call me. I'm there. So I assume that everybody's big boys and girls. They don't need me to chase them up, number one. But if they need me, I'm on the other end of the phone. So we kind of made that agreement as a church, and it worked. Plus, you know, they had cogs. If they didn't make it on Sunday, maybe they went to cog. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so what happened was when I called people, I guess what I was going to say is the ugly people come and they talk to you, and they tell you they're leaving. And sometimes you can get a little bit defensive. You start feeling feelings of, well, maybe I failed these people, or they they say something that's kind of critical of the church or the way you do ministry, or maybe you personally, and your temptation is to defend yourself. And like I said, for me, I, I just don't do that. I don't defend the church. If it's if it's a misunderstanding, I correct the misunderstanding, but I never beg them to stay, ever. I I I used to make it super hard for Christians to come to my church because I was used to this. I was used to Christians coming in, coming for a few months, us not, quote unquote, meeting their needs, which meant they wanted me to um, babysit them, make them feel really special. And I stopped pastoring and babysitting Christians years ago. I now train missionaries. So, and if my missionaries are struggling, man, I'm there for them, right? I'm, I'm number one, Johnny, on the spot to counsel them, to be there for them, but the reality is, if if it was a matter of, oh, this place isn't loving, I'd just say, okay, well, sorry, you know, did you did you go to a cog? No. Um, okay, I think you would have found it different. You know, you can always try that before you go. I mean, shoot, you know, we'd hate to see you go, but I leave it there. I don't beg them. I, don't, I just let it. They're big boys and big girls. And church planner, don't get so desperate that when somebody says to you, I'm leaving, you make it like, oh, we can't survive without you. You know, whatever will we do? Look, <laughs> the church can survive without you, right? If God's in it, um, you don't need anybody, right? Two by two, a church planning, nobody is indispensable. No ministers indispensable, no church members. And I had a guy who came, he was given a thousand, $1,500 a month. He was a rich guy. And I remember the day that he left us to go for one of our sister church plants. And I was sad to see him go because he was taking his pocketbook with him. But he didn't leave under a cloud. He, he left, you know, in a good way. But I remember thinking, well, Lord, you brought that guy, you know, for that amount of time. That was cool. Like we needed that guy. That was awesome. But obviously we don't need him anymore because he's going to, he's going to a church that probably needs him more now. And I think you need to have. That attitude. Don't let your desperation show. Even if you feel deep inside, like, oh man, that's gonna be hard. Just tell them, be honest. Oh man, I'm I'm gonna miss you. 
You know, you, you've been such a blessing. Always leave them on a positive. Don't rebuke them on the way out. Don't uh, slam them. Don't criticize them. Don't uh, tell them, well, you know, you weren't very committed. Don't don't give any parting shots. Be, even if they're attacking the crap out of you, you just are nice to them. You just say, well, you know, I'm sorry you feel I failed you. Um, I really hope you find a good church. And I'm just telling you, it makes life so I, I make, I don't care what they're doing. That's how I do. Yeah, I remember, um, <clears throat> I mentioned to you, I met this gal just over a year ago, because uh, it was right before the magazine came out. It was actually, it probably was over a year ago, because um, we hadn't done the Kickstarter campaign yet for the magazine. And she and her, her best friend were at this meeting, and I happened to, like, like, there was no place to eat, right? So we're all, like, sitting at coffee tables in the bar, and, like, waiters are having to come over to service at, like, a little teeny tiny round coffee table right and so <clears throat> there's like four of us sitting there none of us know each other except for the, the two girls know each other um and all of a sudden you know and i noticed that they pray right right before they eat you know i'm like okay that's kind of interesting and you and i had just talked all the way in about doing a kickstarter campaign to launch the magazine and then we started talking and like i told you later the hairs on the back of my neck started to go up because as they were talking they were like um basically telling me their story and i'm like these chicks are church planners yeah like i don't even know where that fits in with my theology <laughs> right <laughs> and i'm like but these chicks are totally church planners well they ended up um you know we I, I wouldn't say we became good friends but we definitely got to know each other there and then i met up with them maybe a couple months later at another event and um we started talking my dog if you hear the heavy breathing it's my dog oh, it's not me <laughs> She knows it's about dinner time. Hey, we haven't her. done any sound effects. Speaking well, of that, uh, uh, what? check please. <laughs> so, um, Come on, give me a Wookie. No, no, I got to give you a. I have to. I have to say, I agree with Pete. Speaking of which, Jonathan Ferguson did say that he repents. He created a monster, and he's sorry he ever recorded that. He did a hashtag, I no longer agree with Pete. <laughs> and then, like, another hashtag, I repent of my evil ways or something like that. So, this week, you guys need to tweet out hashtags, I agree with Pete, or I don't, I no longer agree with Pete. That's what I want to see out there. We're going to have the battle of agreeing with Pete. Let it, it. let it begin. I love it. But anyway... um, <clears throat> So the second time I met up with these gals, they were telling me how their current pastor was like all offended at them for what they were doing because he saw it as they were taking people away from his church, even yeah. though he, they weren't like no one from the church was going with them. They were just going into these areas and church, basically a church plant was starting. Yeah. But he took it as, you know, why aren't you bringing them back to our church? And they were like, we're meeting them where they're at. I mean, that's that's what we're there to do. Well, we, we had this this week, right? Like, I went to a pastor's conference, and there's a ministry called Plur, which uh, they go out and minister to the raves. So there's a guy who's connected with Chris. Chris is involved with Plur. and Chris? Uh, Chris Langham. Okay. Which is pastor. like the teaching pastor, yeah, at, at the church. And uh, so this guy was at the Plur booth, and I didn't recognize him, but... He's a guy named Wayne, and he serves his butt off when he's there, right? And he's just kind of quiet guy in the background, this and that. And uh, he's a real blessing. And um, and and so I started talking to him, and I said, "Man, we, have you been there? Because he's kind of invisible when he's there." He's like, "No." He goes, "I I started going to Bixby Park Sunday mornings and handing out food to the people in Bixby Park." Now, 
Uh, and he said, he goes, you know, I just, after going to Bixby Park, you know, in the afternoons occasionally, he goes, I just thought, well, what are we doing on Sunday morning? It was funny because he goes, I mean, going once a month, you know, that's not very much. Now, I could have been really defensive. I, I did point out to him, well, even if you're going Sunday morning, now it's just, you know, Sunday afternoon here and there and now just a Sunday morning. I mean, you're going to run into that problem no matter what. But I didn't tell him, hey, dude, we'll come back, you know, and we'll re That's not the point. We want to replant back into Bixby. And I just feel this guy's just running ahead under probably the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If if he is, it's, it's kind of like we get that mentality of the disciples where they're like, Lord, we saw a guy casting out demons and we told him to stop. Well, <laughs> you know, because he's not with us. Well, if this guy wants to go into Bixby Park and feed people, we're already thinking we want to replant there. So I'm like, more power to you, man. And I go, that's awesome. I told him, we're going to replant there. You know, I don't care if he comes back to us. If he's out there now doing something, that's awesome. He's a big boy. He'll get fed somehow. I don't give him the lecture about, well, you need fellowship and this and that. I actually felt his, his impetus was right. And that is, I want to do more for those people out there. Why am I going to? tamp down on that. So I just throw out there, well, you know, we're going to plan. If he wants to be a part of it, great. But why would I pressure him to, he knows what church is. He knows what church he needs to be in, not necessarily ours. And and this was kind of where I was going when I said the rabbit hole goes deep. Um, when people come to you, A, don't get defensive. Um, and B, don't treat them like they've done something wrong by not coming to your church. Look, there are a million good churches out there. We are not the only one. We are also not the only church on mission. Um, we're not the church doing it best. I'm sure of that. Um, we're just where we are, doing what we can, stumbling and failing forward by the grace of God, hoping we impact and change lives. And so I don't walk around thinking our church is, you know, the 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 holy grail of churches. And you're so lucky to have found us. I walk around thinking, man, you were a blessing as long as you were here, Wayne. You served your butt off, and now you're over there. More power. I actually laid my hands on him and prayed for him. And so let me just pray for you. Uh, see the people leaving as people sent out. Pray for them. So I always say to them, well, what you gained here, take with you to the next place. Surely they will have things we didn't, but you now have taken something from us that they won't have. Let me ask you, how is it affected when you as a pastor... And I don't even know if you can answer this because I know you don't know what everybody tithes, but like if you were a pastor and you knew what people tithe, like how does that then affect you when you're like, oh, dude, that guy's leaving. Great. There goes a thousand bucks. Oh, that guy's leaving. Oh, there goes 500. It's so funny because we're a ghetto church. I've often thought things like, well, maybe if they're leaving, I ask them to still tithe until they find a home church. They're going to be looking for a while. Do you? I've thought about it. I've never. I love that. I've never had the. What are they going to say? No. Worst case scenario, it's no different. Well, that's it. And I guess at the end of the day, when I'm talking to them, I'm more concerned about them, you know. And so I don't want to give the wrong impression or anything. That you're out for the money. No, but it could be kind of creepy, right? I I I know you're leaving, but could you still tie? Well, yeah, and I think it, but you (laughs) know, not creepy at all. I end I end on a positive with people, and and I always tell them, hey. Um, if you, unless, you know, there are people that leave under a cloud and I am so glad to see them go. I can say there was one, one couple that left under a cloud and I just, I didn't say, well, you know, if you ever want to come back, the door's open, you know? Um, but the door is open because if they come back, I'm going to have to get over my feelings, right? Of, ah, oh, man, you really kicked me in the nuts. You know what I mean? 
And, and that will be good for me. You know what I mean? Cause there, there were people that have hurt me, but even then I, it's not personal. I don't make it about me. To me, it's about the mission. And if you don't want to be a part of this mission, that's cool. Just be on mission somewhere else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I always tell people, well, Hey, you're a blessing while you're here. And, um, if you go on, uh, and you come back, we love to have you. Do you think though, it's harder for, for the pastor that knows that everyone's tithing? Does that thought go through a pastor? Cause I'm not a pastor. Right? I have no idea. I don't know what they're thinking. Probably. Probably. I, I would imagine it is hard. I just, I, I don't know, man. Like I don't, I think as a church planner, if you're, if your livelihood is tied up with people's tithing, I'm not saying like I take a, a, a partial wage from the church. Um, that's great. But, and so, so does the other teaching pastor, but here's the deal. Um, my income is not dependent and I never take that for granted. If, if the money dries up and, and surely we've come very close to the money drying up. Um, I don't let that affect. So I purposely don't know who gives and I don't, right. I know, know you don't. And, and I think that would actually make it easier because you never know. It touches everything. Though, like I remember, it? I remember at our vision meeting, you said something, this is like the vision meeting at the yeah. very beginning. We were at yeah. the holiday Inn when the church hadn't even really yeah. started yet. And you made some crack and you're like, Oh, you got to be nice to Pete because he's a big tither. And I started laughing so hard. Cause I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not, you know, I'm like, you got the wrong guy on that one. Yeah, but that comment made you a good tither. So I was just setting you up, pal. Not at that time. It didn't. Yeah. At that time, I was broke. I had oh, nothing. Awesome. Well, and, and so the thing is, is that, you know, I, I think, it, yeah, I think it makes you creepy, right? And I don't want to be creepy. I don't want to think about people as what I can get from them. One of the things I'm putting in Jump School, my next book, cha-ching, book number two. <laughs> Killing me. Yeah, you like that? So I'm just building anticipation, Pete. That's all. Well, it's, it's not working for you. I don't know about the book, but I can tell you about the program. The program's rock solid. <laughs> We're going to tell you all about that tomorrow. But, but one of the things, and I, I may have even mentioned this, because this really impacted me. I was watching Banner Brothers, and of course, the whole thing's themed around World War II paratroopers and you know, 101st Airborne parachuting in. And uh, there's a scene where the the officer is gambling with the enlisted men. And he wins. The officer wins. Yeah. And Winners is upset. And when they're walking away, he says, don't ever let me catch you doing that again. And he goes, what? Gambling with the men? What, what's wrong with that? And he goes, winning. He said, don't ever put yourself in a position where you can take from these men. And I, and I think that's the attitude. I think that is leadership. You're not using them. You're not a hireling. You are their shepherd spiritually. It's lawful for you to take a wage. Paul lays that down to muzzle the ox while he's treading the grain. But you cannot view them as people that are there for you. When you start doing that, it gets funky. And I would say a lot of the responses and reactions that pastors have is because they're in the flesh. They're thinking, well, there goes my paycheck. How dare you look at people like that? You know yeah. what I'm saying? And and so and I think often that's why they guilt people into saying because there's nothing else for them to hold on to. I mean, if you read the New Testament, people move around. Priscilla and Aquila go from Rome to Corinth to, you know, wherever it was that 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 they were um they were somewhere else. Uh people move around in the New Testament a lot. The people that, you know, greet so and so, greet I'm sending so and so to you. People move around. I would like personally to have people, maybe it came from ministering in a university town. 
I would like to have uh, people that are transient, that I'm training up to go somewhere else. That's just how I think about my church. I don't want people to stay in my church forever. I'm hoping they go on to bigger and better things. And I don't mean church size. I mean that they're going to be on the frontiers as today they're guys that they've come in as, you know, consumer spectator Christians. And they are so transforming that in a number of years, they're so different. They have to leave my church, but they have to leave my church because they're going out as missionaries. They can't stay anymore. Because they've they've been recipients, but now they need to be givers. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. They need to go give what they've gotten. As you have been, uh, give, as you freely receive, now freely give. And so I am training missionaries, literally, and that's not lip service to me. You know, there are people like you who said, "Hey, man, I think I think you should put me on the diaconate because I think I'm the only knucklehead that's going to stick around here." There will be people who stay. And then and when you said, God. and then when you said, you know, I think it is time for us to put you on there. I'm like, oh, uh, uh, I've thought about it more. I don't think God's calling yeah, me. Absolutely. Um, no. um, that that sounds like you're going to sucker me into ministry. And everybody who listens to this podcast knows that God has Pete's number, and it's eventually going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> we all know it, Pete. I don't know what it's you're a matter of about, time. Man. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that shut you up, didn't it? It really did. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else to say? Because I think I think we've uh, pretty much beat that dead horse. But no, I think I think that was a lot of great information, um, and uh, and I could totally see that as being an issue. What do you do when people tell you they want to leave? Because again, just from my whole perspective, I would never tell you. Yeah, I'd just be like, I'm gone. I'm yeah. done. And that's okay. And there's certain people when they go, and I think I know why. I'm cool with that. There's other people that bugs me. Oh, why are they gone? They they seem so happy. You know, here's, a- here's the other thing too. I've always gone to such a big churches. They wouldn't know it when I did yeah. leave. Yeah. I never got it. Like the church we went to before Refuge Huntington Beach, they didn't know when we left. Yeah. I usually will give a shout out and say, "Hey, man, I heard you leave." You know, blah blah blah. And it just depends. Sometimes my wife does it. Sometimes I do it. And it's okay. It's okay for people to leave, guys. When I first formed a quarantine, it was like when Bill handed over the satellite campus. Refuge Long Beach was a satellite campus before it was a church plant. And it was in Emmanuel Presbyterian Church. There's about 25, 30 people. And I remember saying to Bill, and Bill's like my dad, man. So it was, it was cool because I go, Bill, I'll take this. But like you've built this thing now in a year and a half, you've got a satellite campus. Bill was on the radio. He's really famous. There are people who live in Long Beach. They want to reach them. And they're like, our radio audience is over there and they've driven over here. So we don't want them to have to drive. We could probably start another church. A satellite campus thing was big. And, uh, and I looked at Bill and I said, I am not a satellite campus guy. I'm a church planner and you've done all the fun stuff. If I got a core of people, but I said, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make them into a church plant. And what's going to happen is I'm going to, I'm going to wreck. I'm not going to mean to, but I'm going to inadvertently wreck what you've built in order to plant a church. Cause I don't see a satellite campus like that surviving. And of course, Bill, with all the pull he has, it was 25, 30 people. Right. Yeah. So I, I said, look, you know, cause he's like the big, I was a nobody, you know, he's a big wambooey. And so it was like, you know, uh, but I told him I will ruin this. And it's just what I, and Bill's like, Hey man, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it won't bear fruit. That was his attitude. It wasn't like, no, you know, it was like Daffy Duck with the, you know, mine, 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 you know, with the little like pearl or the, the genie lamp or whatever on that cartoon. Bill was like, go for it, man. And so I tried to get rid of everybody I could. Um, I would say for, for six weeks, remember all the John Wayne speeches? 
Eat my flesh and drink my blood? See, I remember you saying it. I remember you thinking, and Charlie thinking, oh, there's going to be no one left. That's what Charlie said. Charlie took That's me what and Charlie goes, said. dude, stop. And, 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 and for me, because we were losing people like quickly, we, on the first night, we had like a hundred and something people when I joined. Really? Yeah. Remember how packed it was that first night? I don't remember. I may not have been there. The it first was night. huge. And, uh, all these people, I'd come back and, okay, there was a lot of hype. You know, Peyton's back. You know, they like my preaching. You know, they want to come. Boom, boom, boom. And I said all the wrong stuff. I said, you guys are going to see miracles and you see demons cast out of people. We're going to do what they did in the book of Acts. I'm not going to play church. Boom, boom, boom. And I gave all these radical speeches. And, and what I was trying to do is get, I, I'd say to people, if you're here because it's close to your house, you're not cut out for this. You better find another church that's comfortable because this is going to be blood, sweat and tears, baby. And that's what we did. And so I was purposely trying to kick people out and get rid of people because I knew I was going to lose them anyways. So at the end of it, what I wanted was a group of people that knew exactly where we're going, exactly what they're getting into. And once I had that team, kind of like Jesus, eat my flesh, drink my blood, he drove them away. And then the disciples, he goes, are you leaving too? And they go, Lord, where else can we go? Right. And, uh, and that, and that was, those are the people. They're like, Hey, where else are we going to go and be able to experience this awesome adventure? You well, it's kind of like why Jimbo came back. Yeah. Exactly. He was like, we can't just go sit in the church anymore. You're, you know, you were 100%. I have lost. I forgot. I have lost somebody who led a cog. Yeah, but see, that that's, he didn't like leave because. No, of, no, no. He, he didn't. They just had a kid. Well, yeah, they had a kid. And then and he wussed out because he nap, had a kid. No, he didn't. Nap time was right where our <laughs> service was. I know he listens. Then their friends were going through a crisis and they said, look, we need to be there. Their family. It was actually family and friends. So it was. Uh, I, I won't go into detail, but the, the deal was they really needed to be there for family. So he went back to the mothership, but he came back and said, dude, I, I got to come back because we can't just, you ruined us. You wrecked us for life. And I said at the time, I wasn't like sour grapes. How dare you? It was like, it's not about me. It's about mission. And I knew God had his hand on him. So I'm like, Jimbo, uh, doors always open, man. You were an awesome leader. We loved having you. You can come back anytime. And then he missed last Sunday. What? Well, just in uh, closing, I'd like to remind everyone right now, go over to churchplannerwebinar.com for tomorrow's webinar. And if you can't make it, can you hear my dog scratching herself? Yeah. If you can't make it, stop it, dog. If you can't make it, I have no idea what you the get the replay. So just sign up anyway. Oh, that was cool. So you uh, like you did it. You kept saying it over like it was a replay. That was awesome. Man, I got to take a leak so bad I can taste it. <laughs> There's another sound effect for you. Hey, this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.